reading from the second book of Samuel. All the tribes of Israel came to David and Hebron and said, Here we are, your bone and your flesh. In days past, when Saul was our king, it was you who led the children of Israel out and brought them back. And the Lord said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel, and I and shall be commander of Israel. When all the elders of Israel came to David in Hebron, King David made an agreement with them there before the Lord, and they anointed him king of Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 40 years, seven years and six months in Hebron over Judah, and 33 years in Jerusalem, all over Israel and Judah. Then the king and his men set out for Jerusalem against the Jebusites who inhabited the region. David was told, you cannot enter here. The blind and the lame will drive you away, which was their way of saying, David cannot enter here. But David did take the stronghold of Zion, which is the city of David. David grew steadily more powerful, for the Lord of hosts was with him. Verbum Domini. My faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. Once you spoke in a vision, and to your faithful ones you said, On a champion I have placed a crown. Over the people I have set a youth. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil I have anointed him, that my hand may be always with him, and that my arm may make him strong. My faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and through my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand upon the sea, his right hand upon the rivers. My
Dominus Fabiscum. Lexia Sancti Evangelii Secundum Marcum. The scribes who had come from Jerusalem said of Jesus, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he drives out demons. Summoning them, he began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. That is the end of him. But no one can enter a strong man's house to plunder his property unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Amen, I say to you, all sins and all blasphemies that people utter will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an everlasting sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. Verbum Domini. Today in all the dioceses throughout the United States, we're observing a day of prayer for the legal protection of unborn children. And the mass being offered this morning is for giving thanks to God for the gift of human life. You know that all life is a gift from God from the very first moment of conception. And every human person has a capacity for God to know him and to love him. And every human person has an immortal soul, which will live forever. Every human person is created in the image and likeness of God. So abortion, which is the direct or intentional killing of a child in the womb, is intrinsically and gravely evil. And we have an obligation to protect life and not to take innocent human life. And the most vulnerable of lives are those of the unborn because they have no voice for themselves. We know that Christ loves each and every one of us, and he loves us enough that he died for us, and he wants us to be with him in heaven. So today, again, is a day of prayer. And we know that apart from God, we can do nothing, and yet we have an all-powerful God who cares about us in every aspect of our lives, and he desires that we cooperate with him, that we be men and women of prayer, and that we bring about great good in this life, and so we pray today for all public officials that this day of prayer may bear fruit, especially in state legislatures, to protect the dignity of all human life from the moment of conception to natural death. And we pray for the conversion of those who promote or even celebrate the evil of abortion. We pray for the conversion of their minds and hearts, that they might be transformed by the renewal of their minds. And we pray for those women who are currently considering having an abortion, that their hearts might be open to the graces that, and the strength that God wants to give them to protect and nourish that life which is in them. And we ask Our Lady for her intercession, 
that those in difficult circumstances in their pregnancy may learn from Mary to say yes to God and his plan for them to be mothers, trusting that he will give the graces necessary to raise and lead their children on the path toward heaven. We know the Blessed Mother is a great model of courage, and she stood with her son in his suffering at the foot of the cross. She stayed with him to the very end. We pray that she may accompany those in very difficult and fearful situations at this moment. And again, we thank God for the gift of all human life. We know that God saw that every human life was worth creating and was worth dying for. That's a great blessing. And in our gospel today that the church sets before us, we hear about the one everlasting or the unforgivable sin. And that's what our Lord calls blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. He said, all sins and all blasphemies that people utter will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an everlasting sin. So what is this everlasting sin? First, the Catechism of the Catholic Church makes clear that there are no limits to God's mercy. But any who deliberately refuses to accept his mercy by repenting rejects the forgiveness of his sins and the salvation offered by the Holy Spirit. Such hardness of heart can lead to final impenitence and eternal loss. So very simply, the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not repenting. It's final impenitence, not turning to the Lord and repenting and asking for his mercy, for his forgiveness. God wants to forgive us. He wants to reconcile us to himself. This is why our Lord instituted the sacraments of baptism and confession. But he'll never force us to repent or ask for his mercy. This is something that we must freely choose to do. We have to desire it. We have to want his mercy. And in order to do so, we need to cooperate with his grace to repent, to turn back to him. The desire, we have this desire to change our lives for the better, to conform our lives to Christ. But we must repent and turn back to him. And there can be a very real temptation to not repent and to harden our hearts with impenitence. And St. Mark makes the connection that after he quotes our Lord saying, talking about this sin against the Holy Spirit, he then makes the connection to what the scribes had just been doing. After the Lord spoke against the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, St. Mark adds, for they had said, that is the scribes, he has an unclean spirit. Right? They had justified to themselves, they had attributed evil to the good that the Lord had done. And how are they going to repent and ask who they think is evil or who they convince themselves is evil? How are they going to repent and turn to the Lord and ask for his mercy when they've convinced themselves that this is coming from the devil? This is not a work of God. To the scribes, we know they couldn't deny that the Lord had had the power to cast out demons. They had seen it. So rather than denying it, they attributed that power to the devil. They didn't open their hearts to the grace in that moment and make an act of faith in Christ, which the Lord was inviting them. He wanted them to convert. He wanted their eternal happiness. But their hearts were hardened to the point of attributing the good of people being delivered from the enemy's influence, of attributing that to evil. But the Lord is very patient, and we see his patience in the gospel today. 
And he shows how their accusation, how their act of blasphemy doesn't make any sense. Why would someone harm their own kingdom or harm their own army? If the devil were to make war on himself and on his own army, his kingdom would collapse quite quickly. Our Lord further makes his point by referring to the devil as a strong man, that he is powerful. He's much more intelligent than any of us. But his Lord says that the strong man, no one can enter a strong man's house to plunder his property unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. So St. Bede says that Christ referred to the devil as a strong man because before the incarnation, before the coming of Christ, the devil rested in the hearts of unbelievers without any opposition. Right? When we sin, we open the door for the enemy. But when the one stronger than he attacks and overcomes him, that is Christ, who is stronger than the devil, he takes away the armor on which the devil relied and distributes the spoils. Our Lord came to free us. He came to rescue us. He came to liberate us from the power of sin and of death and of Satan. And the letter to the Hebrews states that our Lord took on human nature that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong bondage. Again, he came to rescue us from the power of Satan and death and sin. Another thing to consider in today's gospel, especially this can relate to our own spiritual lives, is that while one might wonder or consider how the scribes could be so hard-hearted, right, and the fact of them seeing our Lord delivering people from the influence of the devil, how could they harden their hearts so much and attribute that to evil? But we also can consider, we can very easily fall into that same, that same temptation. How often do we attribute evil or the very worst possible motivation to other people, especially if it's someone that we're struggling with or that we dislike, especially when they carry out some seemingly good work? We can think of all these thoughts of how they have uh, impure motives, or they're just doing that for attention, right? If someone does a good work, praise God. We thank God for that. And if for some reason they don't have a good intention in their hearts, we leave that to God, right? He knows their hearts. We don't know their hearts. So we try to give others the benefit of the doubt. And again, if we see good, we thank God for that. So we ask today for the grace that we might never harden our hearts and refuse to repent, either by despairing of God's mercy, thinking that some of our sins are greater than God's mercy, or by denying our sins, trying to justify our sins, or presuming upon God's mercy, not turning to him with repentance in our hearts. And may we never hesitate to turn back to Christ and regularly make use of the sacrament of penance that the Lord provides for our forgiveness, for our healing, and our strength to continue on.